0: Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and also verses 20 through 24. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and verses 20 through 24. Uh, I, I get teary-eyed. That's the third time I've watched. It's the third time I've watched that video, and uh, I get a little teary-eyed every time. I love our church. It's a wonderful video. Did a wonderful job on that. I want to say too, while I think about it, we do have Brother Mac and Nancy with us this morning. It's always an honor to have them with us. Thank you guys for being here. To, reiter- to reiterate what the video said, we do celebrate. We commemorate a hundred years of our church meeting at this location on this sacred piece of ground. And 100 years is a long time. God has been very good to sell more Baptist church. And I believe that those 17 charter members who stepped out in faith and bought that one acre of land for $2, that's literal, back in 1920 and built what was at the time a very nice church building, which is our current youth room, I believe that those people would be humbly proud of what this church has become today. Still going strong, still making disciples, and still serving as a witness for Jesus Christ in this community. As was said in the video, it is good for us to pause and remember with observances such as this, the things that God has done, and to give Him the praise and the glory for His blessings. And so in light of a hundred years, would you just say with me nice and loud right now, praise God. Ready? Praise God. The title of this morning's sermon is Remember the Milestones and Resume the Mission. In today's text, we will look at another group of people who took time to remember in a special way what God had done for them. And I'm speaking, of course, of the children of Israel. But we will also see that while they pause to remember, They didn't linger there. They continued on with the mission that God had given them, and that is what we must do as well. So before we read our text, I want us to make sure that we have a good understanding of what's taking place. So let me just kind of set the scene as described primarily in chapter 3. Where we pick up reading today, the children of Israel have been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years since their exodus from Egypt. Until very recently, they have been led by God's servant Moses. Moses brings the people to the cusp of the promised land, but God will not allow Moses to take the people in due to sin that he had previously committed. Rather, God takes Moses to the top of Mount Nebo and allows him to see the promised land from a distance, And after seeing that blessed side and taking it all in, Moses then dies. Or as the text says, he goes the way of all the earth. I kind of like that. That's poetic. Upon Moses' death, God's servant Joshua takes leadership over the people. Joshua brings the children of Israel, commentators believe some two million in number, to the banks of the Jordan River, which serves as the eastern boundary of the promised land. And he prepares them to cross over and take the land that God has promised to their forefathers. The priests will go first, carrying the Ark of the Covenant across the river, and the people will follow. However, there is a problem. The river is in flood stage. Now, we've all seen the Finley River when it gets in flood stage, and it floods the park, and it gets in the Golden Dragon, which is a true tragedy. It shuts the restaurant down for a couple of weeks. And it floods the bottom fields all along Highway 65. And if you've seen that, you know that that's not something that you want to mess with. And it's certainly not something that you would want the elderly and young children trying to make their way across. So what will the people do? They've waited all this time to come into the land. The last obstacle is the river, and now it's out of its banks and raging. It looked impossible, but God made a way. And just as he parted the waters of the Red Sea for Moses, God parted the Jordan River for Joshua. The Bible says that all of its water heaped up about 20 miles upstream, and the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land on dry ground. Once again, God had performed an amazing miracle on the children of Israel's behalf. That is where we pick up reading today. We're going to read Joshua chapter 4, again, verses 1 through 8 and then verses 20 through 24. Let's read these verses in their entirety, and then we'll discuss them. Would you all stand with me, please, as we read God's Word? Let's honor God's Word this morning. This is the Word of the Lord. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, "'Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, "'Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan,' from the place where the priests' feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they were lodged, and laid them down there." Now move down to verse 20. It says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Please have a seat. Let's discuss what we just read in these verses. After the children of Israel make it to the other side of the river, Joshua appoints one man from each of the 12 tribes, particularly strong and burly men, I'm sure, to go back into the now dry riverbed and pick up one large boulder and put it on his shoulders and carry it back to the riverbank where the people are camped. So all together there would be 12 large stones. And the text doesn't tell us exactly what they did with the stones, whether they piled them up or placed them in a circle or, or something else. Verse 20 just merely says that Joshua set them up. But the point is that Joshua made a memorial out of the stones. And then in verses 21 through 24, Joshua tells the children of Israel, when your kids and grandkids ask you one day, why are these stones here? You tell them, this is where the Lord God brought our people across the swollen Jordan River on dry ground, just as he brought our ancestors across the Red Sea. And bear in mind, this was not Joshua's idea. This is what the Lord commanded him to do. Thus, we see a spiritual principle here, that it is good and pleasing to God that we pause to commemorate what he has done for us that we pause to remember the milestones of our journey. And I think sometimes we're tempted to say, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm busy. There's no time to slow down and wax nostalgic about what happened in the past. I've got to get stuff done in the here and now. Memorials, commemorations, those things are nice, but they're not relevant to me where I'm at, where I live. Well, listen, Joshua had just stepped into a new role, right? He had two million grumbling people to take care of. He had an entire land out in front of him that had to be conquered with formidable foes awaiting him. You think he didn't have a lot on his plate? And yet he said, we're going to pause and we're going to do something lasting so that we always remember what God has done for us this day. And that's in essence what we're doing today. We are commemorating a hundred years since our ancestors crossed Selmore Road. Back then it was Highway 65, and they didn't stack boulders, but I'll tell you what they did do. They laid bricks, one on top of another, and they built a house dedicated to the worship of God. And we need to understand that original building, and each one built onto it since then, represents an act of faith by a group of people, represents a labor of love, and in a very real sense, represents a memorial to the goodness of God meant to be handed down from one generation to the next. The 17 charter members who constructed that original building in 1920 would want all of us to know today, as it says in verse 24, that the hand of the Lord is mighty that we might fear the Lord our God forever. It's good to remember the milestones. It's good to show our kids and grandkids the pile of boulders, if you will. In our case, the church building. And teach them about the faithfulness of God. And tell them the story of their ancestors. But here's the second part of the sermon. While it's important for us to communicate such things, we also can't stay there. We can't live in the past. We can't worship at the altar of nostalgia. We can't rest in the world of remember when. It is good to pause to celebrate. But after we do so, we then must resume the mission. That's what I want to speak to you about here just for the next few moments. If we continued reading on in the book of Joshua we would see that the children of Israel didn't just stay by the Jordan River after they crossed it. Now, I'm sure that many of them would have liked to. After all, again, they'd been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. I'm sure some downtime would have been nice. Maybe put up a little tent by the river, build a little picnic table, make a cane pole or two. But they didn't do that because they had a job to do. They had a God-given mission to accomplish. And that was to go in and drive out the wicked pagan peoples of the land and take that land for the glory of God. A couple years ago, we did a sermon series in Joshua, and we called that Trust the Lord, Take the Land. And in that series, we worked our way through the book of Joshua, and we looked at all of the passages that detail how Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land and how he won battle after battle with God's help in places like Jericho and Ai. And chapter 12 of Joshua tells us in total there were 31 kings and kingdoms that the children of Israel conquered. And eventually after the land was won, Joshua led the people to divide the land and to settle it. And so successful was this effort that near the end of the book of Joshua, It says the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to their fathers and the Lord gave them rest all around. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now that's a wonderful story of God's faithfulness. And the book of Joshua is a great book and I would encourage you to read it and study it. But what I want us to see this morning is that the children of Israel did not rest on their laurels they did not cross the Jordan River and enter into the outer reaches of the promised land and say we finally arrived there's nothing more we need to do no after pausing to remember what God had done after setting up a memorial to God's great faithfulness they then resumed the mission that God had given them in their case to fully conquer the land and Selmore Baptist, I would simply say to us today that we, too, have a God-given mission. And that mission is not merely to gather for a worship service on Sunday morning. That mission is not merely to enjoy fellowship with one another or even minister to one another. Although all of those things are extremely important. But rather, our mission, as given by our Lord, is to go and make disciples of God the nations, all the people of the world. And that is something that Selmore Baptist Church throughout our history has understood. And it's something that we've prioritized. Did you notice in the video that was a theme uh, that came up with all three speakers? And that wasn't something that we got together and discussed beforehand. That's what God put on our heart to say, that Selmore Baptist throughout its history has been A great commission church. It's been a sending church. I just want to share with you quickly some examples of this legacy. Brother Ron touched on it in the video. At least 15 men from the time of our founding, according to our best records, have surrendered to gospel ministry from the membership of this church. These are men that we have sent into the field to serve as preachers and pastors. And missionaries. This church in its history Has helped start numerous new churches Again, Ron touched on one in the video Union Chapel Baptist Church in Webster County We could add to that list First Baptist Church of Cape Fair Rocky Ledge Baptist Church in Pro Tem Living Waters Church in Nixa Red Tree Church in Springfield Christ Community Church in Speedway, Indiana Camino a la Cruz in Omaha, Nebraska Some of those churches are still in existence, some are not. But the point is that this church saw a need for a gospel witness in these communities and stepped up to the plate in some form or fashion to help make that happen. This church, in its history, has sent mission teams to places such as Alliance, Nebraska, and West Memphis, Arkansas, and Jackson, Tennessee, And New Albany, Indiana, and Waveland, Mississippi, and Sioux City, Iowa, and Denver, Colorado, and Chicago, Illinois, and El Salvador, and Lesotho, and I'm sure I'm probably missing some. And as I say the names of those cities, some of you in this room remember going on mission trips to those places. This church has supported local ministries like the Missouri Baptist Children's Home, and Least of These, and Pregnancy Care Center. This church in its history has been a strong supporter of giving to missions through special offerings, through the cooperative program. This church has always been involved in local evangelism and outreach. I just want to remind us today, this is who we are. This is our DNA. And if we are to be a healthy and thriving church into the future, this is who we must be. This morning, I want to call us back to our purpose. Yes, we pause to remember the milestones as we do today, but let us also resume our God-given mission. I want to be transparent with you. I'll confess that my passion for the Great Commission has not been what it should be. And I've allowed my fire... For missions to, to get a little bit too low at times, and I've been praying these last three weeks while I've been on quarantine, something God's been dealing with me with is praying that He would renew my passion for the mission, that He would renew my passion for making disciples of Jesus Christ, and I pray that through that, that He would light a fire in our church as well. And I understand there's not a lot of going we can do right now because of the season that we're in, but we can do other things. We can pray for the salvation of the lost. We can pray that God would send workers into his harvest. We can give of our resources to support others who are on the mission field, pandemic or no pandemic, during this time. One way we do that is through Lottie Moon, which is coming up soon. The other thing we can do is plan and prepare. We can use this as a time to plan and prepare for what we're going to do and where we're going to go once God opens the door, once this virus goes away. And I hope that you'll join me in that. I hope that you'll join me in resuming the mission that God has given us. Today we celebrate 100 years at this location, 113 years as an organized church. Praise God. God is good. But I also believe that He's not done with us yet. And I believe that the best is yet to come. And if you believe that too, will you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And then we'll have our closing song. Father, thank you so much for this word that you've given us. Thank you for everything you've done for this church in 113 years of existence and a hundred years on this side of the road, Lord, you've been so faithful to us through thick and through thin. You've blessed this church. and We want to give you all the praise and all the glory because you alone are worthy of that. Father, help us to be faithful now to resume the mission that you've given us, to continue the mission, that we would continue to be faithful, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, that we would not just go through the motions of church but even in this strange time we're in, that we would have a passion for the mission. Help us, God. Help us be faithful to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.